0: Hello, Daylight Church. Hope you guys are doing well, and uh, we're glad you're with us today. And uh, we want to invite you just to sing along and enjoy it. And uh, we pray God bless you today. you weary come are you thirsty come to the well that will never run dry drink from the world come and thirst no more come all you sinner come find his mercy come to the table he will satisfy taste of his goodness and what you're Silhouette. God, from who our blessings flow. Is waiting there. Oh, Jesus is waiting there with. is all I am Lord Like a watchman waits for God You are finally found the place If I were Is to be with you If I lonely, yeah. If I were lonely, in your presence If I were lonely, it's to be with you presence the presence is all So waits for you oh, no. I like a watchman. Your presence, God, I find my prayers here in Your presence, God. My soul waits for You. That lay between us How high the mountains I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven Spoke your name Into the night Could imagine so great a mercy. What heart could find such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped out from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. God has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of Kings rules.
1: Look at that beast from its head to its thorax everything about this creature screams run in the other direction
0: ah! oh this thing's stuck in my arm ah oh searing pain absolute searing pain
1: good morning daylighters and people watching online in our audience today appreciate you guys being here and hope you're having a Wonderful Sunday the video you've just seen is from a YouTube channel called Brave Wilderness and it's uh, it's about the so- so-called murder hornets that people are so concerned with here coming to America soon uh, I think if you watch the video you'll find out that there's not near the concern that, that people have about it but it, it's a guy named Coyote Peterson and Coyote Peterson has apparently been stung by every venomous animal in the world he he, he makes a living by allowing these horrid things to inject their venom into him and and see if he can endure the pain. And my son, who is 11 years old, Siler. Uh, this is this is Siler. Siler is fix, fixated with this guy's YouTube channel. He loves to talk about it. And. And he gets animated about it. A conversation with my son might look like this. And it goes just as fast as this. Executioner wasps are the most painful sting in the world. And I think they have a wingspan of four inches and are two inches long. They're the largest paper wasps. And hornets build bee-looking nests, but paper wasps build cone-looking nests. And they're found in the same part of the world as warrior wasps and bullet ants. But warrior wasps are not the top four most painful stings in the world. And my son likes to come into my office while I'm trying to work and just do that. Just bleh, just throw up on me with, with all his, his uh, brave... S- venomous sting information and and he he, he kind of lives his life like that he's he's fascinated with everything I I took this picture this morning so so my son came with me he's here in the audience today and he came with me this morning and as we were walking out of the house to the truck he noticed some mushrooms and he was saying dad look at that mushroom oh wow look at those mushrooms apparently we have some mushrooms growing in some of our landscaping and, and then he spotted this mushroom that I took a picture of and I've never seen a mushroom like this. And he said, wow, dad, did you see this mushroom? And he was so excited about these odd-looking mushrooms. And I had to admit to myself that I would not have noticed any of the mushrooms had he not been with me. He, he has this fascination with life and this exuberance about him that I don't, I don't tend to carry anymore. Maybe at one time in my life I did, but, but not today. And we're, we're starting a series on what they're calling a new normal. You're hearing this expression in the news and the media all the time, a new normal, meaning things have drastically changed following the COVID virus. And what is the new normal going to look like? And, and oftentimes when we hear that expression, we, we think something negative. We think, you know, isolation or, or extra precautions or care. And I don't think it necessarily has to encompass just the negativity. I think I think that we will have to be a little more careful. We will have to think things through a little bit more, be more strategic about washing our hands and and, and so forth, but there's a lot of good stuff that has come out of this. And the, the the thing that I want to talk about today, the new normal, is the topic of wonderment. Is that because we've been somewhat isolated, because we've been somewhat held back and and we've been kind of forced to evaluate and reevaluate what's important. And we've we've been forced to reevaluate what we enjoy and 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 what strikes us as interesting even. And I think I think wonderment is is a part of the Christian journey. Uh, this is, I was just telling a, a friend this morning about, this, these are the people that live in my house. I live in kind of a communal living situation. There's a bunch of us that live in a big house. And what we've been doing on Sunday mornings now, since we have recorded sermons and I'm not preaching on Sundays, is we've been going hiking. As a family, we've been taken off to the, to the forest and trekking the woods. And we did it last Sunday, and this is a picture from that day. There's a few people missing from our family, but this is, this is us. And people, when they see us walking around in the parks, think we're some kind of covid violators because we're in such a big group and and we are just one family unit that live in one house and and share a kitchen and so uh that's that's who we are but we we went and and a lot of times what we'll do is we'll take a phone with us and we'll have church out in the woods we'll just watch the service and and worship and watch the sermon and talk about it and this last sunday we went on a trek that was about a mile and a half that's about what the kids can handle on a sunday morning and and on, on that journey, for whatever reason, it was a very muddy day. There had been a lot of rain a couple days before, and there was a lot of mud. And we saw a lot of these. We saw a ton of millipedes. And I don't know why the millipedes were out in full force, but every, every quarter of a mile, there'd be a millipede in the middle of the trail, about this long, and, and I think they're kind of nasty-looking creatures. But the kids, of course, would have a heyday every time a millipede popped up. They'd gather around it and crouch down, and, oh, a millipede, a millipede. And, and later that day, I was asking this guy, the guy in the... In the blue shirt there, he has a blue shirt that says, Be a good human on it. And I was asking, him, I was asking all the kids, What was your favorite part of the day? And, and for most of them, it was when we were swinging on a, a vine and one person plowed into me and knocked me down the hill. All the kids just loved that moment. But the guy in the blue shirt, this was his answer. He says, It was the millipede. So his name's Joey Joseph Medcraft. And, and his answer was, It was seeing this millipede. So, so I want to ask you a question. I've got, I've got a few people in the audience here. Is Joey... An old soul or a young soul? What do you think? <laughs> Come on, that's not the right answer. The answer is young soul. We, 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 we say, are you a young soul or an old soul? And, and, and sometimes it's hard to determine what that is. But, but a, a guy who's in his 30s that looks down and says, it was the millipede. The millipede was the most exciting part of my day. I would categorize him as a young soul. And, and somehow this, this concept of wonderment and being young and, and not being aged is... We, we say even a person in their 80s that loves to dance has a young soul. There's something about youth and vibrancy that we, just, we call a young soul. Jesus himself seemed to indicate that there was something valuable about young, youngness, about, about a childlike nature. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 18, he says this. He says, "'Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children,' You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I was studying out this word enter in the Greek, and it it literally means that. It means to come or to enter or to move from one place to another. And so what Jesus is saying here is unless you're kind of childlike, not childish, but childlike, you will never make the transition from this place that we live to God's place. That somehow wonderment, somehow youth, somehow a young soul, somehow tying into the, the zest of life, plays a factor in, in whether we are or are not seeing what God is doing and who God is. He said later, he said, very truly. You'll notice both times he starts off saying, truly I tell you. This was his way of saying, this is, this is God's message for you. He says, God's message for you is that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And to be born again, there's, th- th- this, is, this is rich, rich stuff that you can study for ages. But to be born again kind of means to start over. And when you start over... That kind of means to be childlike. It means to start with fresh fresh eyes, a new beginning, to see the world through new eyes, and to experience that wonder that God desires for us. The author of Peter Pan, J.M. Barrie, one of the quotes from Peter Pan is, I am youth, I am joy, I am freedom. And we love Peter Pan because he was the perpetual child. He refused to grow up. That's what's so fascinating about him is he always saw through the eyes of a child. And The story of J.M. Barrie is actually a pretty fascinating one and and a a sad one as well. Uh, When J.M. Barrie was a child, his brother, who was 14 years old at the time, was in a tragic and unexpected ice skating accident. Slipped in the ice, cracked his head, and died. And that event affected J.M. Barrie's life and his view of growing up for the rest of his life. And one author, writing in The New Yorker, said this about J.M. Barrie, the author of Peter Pan. He said, the residue of the calamity, so when his brother died it seeped into Barry's art. So, Barry, so J.M. Barry's art was affected by the death of his brother. It says, It gave him the conviction that a perfect child who dies on the eve of his 14th birthday will be spared the degradation of growing up and that the death will be outshone. The boy will seem scarcely to have passed away at all. And I want to point, point out this, this comment he makes about the degradation of growing up. So J.M. Barry said, basically said his brother had been spared from death because he hadn't grown old it's a very very strange way of thinking but it's this idea that somehow growing up kills us somehow growing up sucks the life out of us and so so he, you notice he says he says it was he seemed to scarcely have passed away at all so jm barry's view that was that growing up was death that that's that's where the death happens and i think if we're all honest there's some truth to that is that as we grow up we lose this zest we lose this wonderment. We lose the ability to see what God's doing every day. We be, we can be, it's easy. Not everybody does, but it's easy to become jaded and calloused and hardened to the world. It, it, it's a natural effect of growing old. This, this author who wrote The Little Prince, Antoine de Saint-Exubery, says, I've lived a great deal among grown-ups. I've seen them intimately, close at hand, and that hasn't much improved my opinion of them. We need to be careful as we age, as we grow older, as we mature through life. That maturity doesn't mean jadedness. That wisdom doesn't mean nihilism. We need to be sure to hang on to the wonder of the universe and to be able to see what God is doing around us at all times. Jesus said this. There there was a moment when parents were bringing their kids to Jesus and saying, hey, would you bless them? Hey, would you pray for them? And the disciples were like, Jesus doesn't have time for this. He's not a Sunday school teacher. He's, He's got bigger things on his agenda. And Jesus put the nicks on that real fast. He said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. And again, we see this kingdom of God thing. He says, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Kids get it. Kids, kids somehow connect with what God's doing in a way that adults have a harder time, maybe because we've grown calloused, maybe because we've grown hard. My friend Mike Maines, who's a performer, music performer, and he, he performed on our Easter service this, this, this year. Uh, I, was, I was looking at him on social media recently, and he, he posted something I thought was pretty poignant and Connected with this topic. He says, I can he, was, he was talking about his daily life and what it's been like to be isolated for these 47 days or 63 days or whatever it was. And he says, I can surge with electric joy at the wonder of life and the threaded beauty weaving each and every moment together. And in, the same, in one second, I can sink into a swamp of despair about how it's all meaningless because we're all going to die in 100 years. You know, the normal stuff. So as an adult, you don't don't find children very often in that second category. Children typically, unless something awful is having something tragic, is have some kind of trauma, most kids live in this slide of surging with electric joy at what they see around them and not this slide of despairing because they know in 100 years they're going to be dead. Adults live in that category. That's not where kids live. But then Mike went on to say this. His wife Shannon lifted me out of the mud this morning as we were pulling out of our driveway in a cheery voice she said the lilies are blooming and once again i could feel the warm arms of grace around me so he's dealing with this roller coaster of feeling wow wonderment excitement and oh despair nihilism and somehow just seeing the lilies in bloom snapped him out of it he saw the grace of god in that he saw the hand of god in the lilies there was this one moment where Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, and people were laying down their coats and laying down palm leaves and yelling Hosanna and worshiping him. And the religious leaders of his time came to him and said, why don't you shut them up? He said, they're being too loud. They're causing a disturbance. Why don't you get them to be quiet? And this was Jesus' response. He says, if, I, if, if they were quiet, the, the very rocks would cry out. There's something in nature that just exemplifies God, just If we can just have eyes to see on a daily basis, if we can see the millipedes in our path, if we can see the lilies in bloom, somehow we see God. And somehow that is joy and freedom and youth, like Peter Pan would say. So when we talk about a new normal and a new new life, let's make it about wonderment. Let's not make it about something negative. Let's make it about something positive. We've all learned that there's a lot we take for granted during the COVID virus. This is, you probably can't see this article further back, but it's in highlight. And it says COVID-19 proves how fluid life is and how much we take for granted. And within that article, there's a quote that says, prom and the graduation ceremony seem set in stone from the moment you start high school. We were talking at my house this week about how how our, our high school senior experiences were wonderful experiences. I know they're not for everybody, but for many people, they'll look back and say, those were the best days of my life. And a lot of these kids, are that's just being taken from them. It was there, it was, it was, it was the carrot dangling on a string, it was, it was reachable, and then it was gone. And we've learned through the coronavirus that not everything that we took for granted, not everything that we thought was great and was on its way is actually on its way, that there's a lot we do take for granted. There's a lot we can look at in nature that we just walk past, like those mushrooms this morning. Had my son not been there saying, look, a mushroom, look, a wild mushroom, look, something I've never seen before, I wouldn't have cared. I I was focused. I'm, I'm about to preach a sermon. I'm on my way. I don't have time for wonderment. But Scripture seems to indicate that there's a lot out there to wonder about, and when you wonder about it, there's lessons buried deep inside. This Proverbs talks about the ants. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Sluggard is one of my favorite insults that I never use. Consider her ways and be wise. If you watch ants, in fact, I was pulling out some landscaping rocks here at Progress Boulevard yesterday and underneath them were these ant tunnels just lots and lots of ants buried underneath these landscape um, blocks and what I noticed was and and if you've probably seen this is that if you disrupt an anthill the ants don't just go sit in a room and cry about what they've lost they don't just freak out and say oh life is terrible it'll never be the same what do they do they get to work Right? That's what the Proverbs is saying is you, you can learn a lot from an ant. Ants just go, 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 go. They get in line. They, they serve each other. They help each other. They build something great. And the scriptures seem to indicate that you can just go sit and watch an anthill and learn a lot. Acorn to oak. You, you may have heard the, the old proverb, the mighty oak was once a nut like you. And this it's, it's a fascinating scientific process that occurs when an acorn gets planted. I encourage you to go, you, go, go on YouTube and look up a video of an, of an acorn becoming an oak. But Jesus talks about this process of a, a tiny seed becoming a tree, and he compares it to faith. He says, he says it's the smallest of all seeds. He's talking about the mustard seed. He says the mustard seed is planted, and it's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. And it says birds nest in its branches, and people take shelter under its shadow. And so... It's this—it's this idea that we can, we can look at this process in all these things of wonderment in those mushrooms, in, in the millipede. Odds are, if you'll just think, if you'll just allow yourself to experience wonder, you're going to hear from God. Because if we if we look at the process of acorn to oak, we see a lot. We see about planting. We see that what you put in the ground is what comes out. There's a thousand great church messages in that. We find out that growth occurs through nourishment, through through receiving the sun, and through experiencing water we find that all these theological processes are buried in nature just to be uprooted we, we find out that a plant that what you see above the ground in a tree is the same size below the ground there's there's foundation there and if we want to have a spiritual life that is strong we build a foundation we plant roots and 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 there's so much just buried in this simple statement of Jesus that a seed becomes a tree And if we just have wonderment, if we if we'd go out and look at trees and admire trees instead of just passing by the trees, maybe God would speak to us. Maybe God would show us something. There's shelter and strength and reproduction. These trees, they drop acorns everywhere. These trees, and what in my opinion, what that means is, once you've got it, once you've got the goods, once you've got the nutrition, once you've got the sun, once you've got the soil, you're giving it away. There's just a thousand great sermons buried in a tree. I've been thinking about earwax lately. I don't know why, but there are these ads on, YouTube, or on Facebook where they've apparently got these perfect earwax removers and they have a light that you can attach to your computer and there's like a fiber optic cable so you can see what you're rooting around in there. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. Earwax is something that we we remove and never think about. We throw the Q-tip away. But earwax is, is actually a pretty fascinating thing. Earwax is secreted by a gland in your ear that, that excretes what they call cerumen which sounds to me like a uh, J.R.R. Tolkien character. But it's, it's, it's a special substance that coats your ears, and it gives you two things. It gives you comfort, and it gives you protection. If you didn't have it, your ears would dry up and itch all the time. But it also protects you. It keeps, it keeps stuff com- from coming in and getting stuck in your ears, stuff that you don't want in your ears, gets trapped in the earwax. And what's really fascinating is that there's these chemicals in cerumen, or, or th- there's, there's uh, chemicals inside of it, that fight infection. And so your ears have these glands that fight the bad stuff trying to get in constantly. Now, what is the lesson here? I have no idea. But I thought it was interesting, it's fascinating, and, and I wouldn't have known that had I not taken an interest in earwax. If I had not said, well, what is earwax, and googled it, I would have just thought of it as something nasty that I throw in the trash. But it's actually kind of a beautiful thing. There's so many things to be fascinated with, so many gifts God has given us that we just pass on by. I was, I was thinking about music this week and how music really is just math and science. It's just it's just frequencies flying out into the air, reverberations that our eardrums pick up on, and it's kind of mathematical. Almost every song you hear is chorus verse chorus verse bridge verse. There's there's a math to it. And if we hear bridge chorus verse or bridge verse chorus, something is discordant, is that the word? Something something doesn't fit. There's a math to it. There's if if in the great song Hallelujah, it talks about the fourth, the fifth, the greater rise and the greater or the lesser fall and the greater rise, or something like that. There's, there's a particular mathematic formula to what makes music good that registers with us that if that math is changed, it doesn't work. It feels wrong, it feels off. But as as it stands, music is one of the most amazing things in the world. It's science, it's it's wavelengths that affects our emotions. It deeply moves us in ways that nothing else can. I put math and memories, and what I wanted to put is math and memories and music and Metallica because the other day I was listening to uh, my phone and a Metallica song came up, and instantly I was a freshman in college sitting in a parking lot at Murray State University with Hardee's cheeseburger and fries in my, in my lap listening to the new Metallica album that had come out. Come out. It was, the, it was the Black Album, and, and somehow, some way, that math, those frequencies resonating against my eardrum took me back to a place that I wasn't thinking about even a moment before. There's something mystical about music. There's something magical about music, and we play it as background noise, and we don't let ourselves sink into it, and if we want to be people of wonder, we revel in the magic that is music. Hugs and humans. This is Dennis and Terry Adams and their kids. They're... they're uh, Daylighters here at Daylight Church, and Dennis stopped by our house the other day because they have all these, I think they're called peonies, they're really beautiful, big pink flowers, and they had grown a ton of them, and they have so many They have so many peonies that they don't know what to do with them, so he stopped by and knocked on our door and gave us this big box full of peonies, and we sat out on the porch with a good six feet distance between us, and, and a couple times during the conversation, he said, man, I just want to hug you right now, which he's he's a tough guy. He runs triathlons. He's a runner and an athlete. But he said, he said, H, he said, something I've realized through this whole thing is how much of a hugger I am. He said, I crave human contact. I crave hugs from people. And there's so much fascination to be found in just people in every single person that you find every single day. The gift of relationship that God has given us is something to wonder about and proboscises and purpose and And so we're talking about things to be wondrous about. And a proboscis, of course, is the long nose in some animals that allow them to feed from flowers or or feed from hard-to-reach places. And when we're talking about hugs and we're talking about the math that is music and we're talking about earwax and we're talking about millipedes, in all of it you see what they call teleology. And teleology is the study of purpose. When we see a proboscis, we can rightly ask the question, what is it for? Now, if there is no purposer, If there, in my opinion, if there is no creator, there is no for. The world is purposeless and chaotic. But if the proboscis has a for, which it's impossible to talk about a, a long nose like that without seeing some kind of purpose, then it means some designer did it for a reason. And what was the reason? What was the reason for a hug? What was the reason for math that shakes our eardrums and takes us back to a moment in time? What was the reason for some of the other things we've talked about earwax there is a purpose behind earwax that i wouldn't have discovered if i hadn't allowed myself a little bit of wonderment in scripture it tells us that we're supposed to set our hopes on god who richly provides us with everything for what to enjoy god is a god that wants us to enjoy all you have to do is understand the concept of color or understand that the trees feed us and we feed the trees with our breath and you see something magical in the world. You see that Peter Pan thing that says, I am youth. I am joy. I am freedom. It's out there for the taking. It's right for the taking. For those who will live perpetually as children. Who will allow themselves to experience wonder. First John 4 says, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. God is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. I, I prefer expiation as, as a translation here, but... It's the idea that what is the purpose of the proboscis? It's love. What is the purpose of music that touches your eardrums and brings out emotions that nothing else can? It's love. What is the purpose of the earwax that keeps you comfortable and keeps infections out of your ears? It's love. All of it was created because God loves us. And if if there's nothing else that we wonder about, it's that. How could God love us? There's a song called Wonderment by Kenny Carter, and he uses these lyrics. He says, blow the horn throughout the region and let the king and the pauper know for a place to lay your burdens down, we've found the one. Come on, let me show you the way to wonderment. Come on, let me show you the way to wonderment. It says, they've found the one that you come to to place your burdens down. That is the way to wonderment. If If you view the proboscis or the music or the earwax as material things that have no spiritual meaning whatsoever, you've missed out. But when you see that these are gifts from a loving God, you've found the way to wonderment. There's a psalm that's one of my favorites. It was one of the first things I ever memorized in Scripture. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, it says, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? When we realize the anthropic principle shows that everything out there, the force of gravity, The movement of the stars, this rotation of the earth, all of it led to carbon-based human life on this planet. We see something big and divine and wonderful. We wonder at what is wonderful. And we see that it was all because God wanted to express his love for us. And so this is my closing thought. Jesus many times said basically that some people have eyes to see and some people don't. said some people have ears to hear and some people don't. And I want to encourage you to pray to be one who has eyes to see. If you see a child with bubbles, if you're at the park and somebody's blowing bubbles, what are the adults doing? Nothing. Nothing related to the bubbles at all. What are the children doing? They're noticing the rainbow colors and the patterns and the fact that they'll float through the wind and they're trying to chase them and there's a sense of wonderment in them. And my prayer is that we would be a church and we would be a people that wonder at the universe. When When we see a millipede during the day, we remember the millipede later on the day like my friend Joey did. That when we see another human being and we hug another human being, we don't just, we don't just let them fly in and fly out of our lives, but that, that we experience it, that we, we savor the food that we put in our mouths, that we experience the wonder that God gave us, because that was his mission for us, was that we would experience him and experience his love. And that is, as this said, I, I read this this week, it says, God's love is the pinnacle Everything else points to it. Every joy is a taste of it. It says it adds zest to life, and the same zest points to the author of life. It's circular. Knowing the love of God adds zest to life. Having zest in life turns around and causes worship, which causes more love for God, which causes more zest for life, which causes more worship, which causes more... And it's a circular pattern, and then all you've got to do is step inside it and worship and allow God to show you the wonderment of the universe he's created. Let's pray. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that we would be people that see you every day, everywhere. That we wouldn't be jaded and hard and calloused adults, but that we would have childlike wonder at the clouds and at the bugs and the birds. That we would have childlike wonder at one another. That we would see something exceptional in every human being, something you've created, creating them in your image. I just pray we would be people of wonder And as people of wonder, that we would be people of worship. And as people of worship, that we would be people of love. I ask you to do that transforming work in us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. We have some great events coming on this week. Check our Facebook page and you can find out what's going on. Hope to see you soon.